Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 31st of July, 2023, the last day in the month of July, if you're keeping score at home. I am Derek Hunter. I'm your host. I just a programming note. I accidentally, there was a problem with the microphone for the first 12 minutes of the podcast. It'll, you can hear it. It's fine. It's, it's, it's audible. But then I corrected it. So just so you know. I got a lot of crap about the the cheap clip-on mic that I bought and tried. This one is the regular mic, but it's just a screw-up of the microphone. So sorry about that. <laughs> it was, it's a great show otherwise, so you don't want to miss it. So let's get to it. Just be known that I, I'm aware. You, you plowed through the first 12 minutes coming up, and then you'll be fine. So here you go. We have a lot to get to. There's a bunch of stuff going on. And we've got the breaking news. The big breaking news. There's a lot of breaking news. But it's unbelievable. Joe and Jill Biden, the world's worst grandparents ever. Really just, I mean, they have, it's not that they, I don't mean that they're the worst grandparents. They're probably the worst parents, too. I don't want to limit it. You know, it's when somebody really aspires, works hard to aspire to something their whole life. Uh, you, you don't want to give them short shrift. But you have People Magazine. Normally on a Friday evening, the document dump, the Clintons perfected this. Like, oh, yeah, we, we were lying about that. Oh, yeah, there is this proof. There is that. They always release that stuff on a Friday evening. I don't remember the... the I don't remember there being scandals in the George H.W. Bush administration where they're like... We got to get this out on a Friday before a holiday weekend. But the Clintons did that sort of stuff all the time. I think that I think he confessed that he did, in fact, have a sexual relationship with Monica Lewinsky on a Friday before a holiday weekend. I'll never forget after he did that. They walked out. They were going on vacation, and they walked out to Marine One with Bill and and Hillary with Chelsea in between them, and they. There hasn't been that sort of exploitation of a child in politics since JFK Jr. was trained and told to go out there and salute his father's casket for the cameras. It was for the cameras. The kid was like two years old. He didn't know what the hell was going on. But he was trained to go out there and salute the, the casket. It was great. It is great video. If he had lived, he might have run for political office at some point. And, you know, that video... You can't tell me that wouldn't have been right at the front. And if you think, well, that's a little bit cold, Derek. No, no. Jackie was planning the Camelot legacy immediately. Immediately. The Kennedy clan had snapped into uh, action. And that, that's, just, that's just truth. It's inconvenient. And look, I'm not going to tell anybody how to grieve. But, you know, it just seems a little bit weird to me. That being said, <clears throat> the calculation of the Clintons was, let's put Chelsea in between us. So you had that visual while they were talking about the White House has admitted that Bill Clinton didn't even had the video. The truth is, I did have a relationship with Ms. Lewinsky that was inappropriate. Like what, you played Parcheesi until all hours of the night? 
And uh, they had that video, and then they had the video of them walking out hand in hand in hand. And if that weren't enough, at least, I mean, the Clintons were the, the kings and queens of overkill. That was, I believe, the weekend that they bombed the hell out of the aspirin factory in Iraq. We didn't find out it was an aspirin factory until much later. It was, Saddam is uh, developing weapons of mass destruction. And we had to stand up to them and blow up an aspirin factory and kill some janitorial staff that we'll eventually have to send some money to, etc., etc., etc. Well, now the Friday document dump for Democrats is in regards to Hunter Biden. Not another criminal charge, not yet. I mean, while his father's in charge of the Justice Department, there's probably not going to be another criminal charge anytime soon. We'll get into the criminal charges that they uh, screwed up in a second, but this one has to do with Little Navy Joan. People Magazine gets... Can you believe people... They go to People Magazine. Finally, Joe has acknowledged his seventh grandchild. Finally. It'll be interesting to see because they, they've now released a statement. They haven't said anything about it. Joe is over in Rehoboth, where I was last week, and uh, he's going to be there for at least the next week, recharging his batteries and doing whatever it is and meeting with people who... They ain't going to tell you who it is. When they're at their uh, beach mansion, there is no, there are no visitor logs. Even though there are visitor logs, you can't get in to meet with the president, even at his house, without going through a, a background check with the Secret Service. Because, well, that's just how the world works. But they aren't about to release it because it's a private matter. So if a whole bunch of people, degenerate hunters, business associates, or... Bag men overseas, people running LLCs to hide the Biden's money. They come into Rehoboth. Nobody's going to report on who they are because it's just a private, it's just a private family matter. Anyway, People Magazine gets an exclusive because when you think of hard-hitting political journalism, you think of People Magazine. They write, President Joe Biden has offered his first statement on four-year-old grandchild Navy Joan Roberts, the daughter of Hunter Biden and London Roberts, an Arkansas woman who filed a paternity suit against the president's son in May 2019. You can see why they went to People Magazine, because they would frame it this way. It's just, a, just an Arkansas woman. No, she was a stripper. And it was during Hunter's time on a, uh, I don't know, lost weekend bender that lasted however long it is, decade or more. Now, the, the media will tell you, and the New York Times has written this recently, talked about this last time, last week, I think. They'll tell you that Hunter really, he fell into the throes of addiction after the death of his brother, Bo, in 2015. It's just... Horrible, horrible situation. He just, you know, everybody handles grief differently, and Hunter handled his grief with narcotics and alcohol and sex. And uh, that would be all well and good and, and understandable, I suppose, had Hunter Biden not been already run out of the Navy uh, more than a year earlier for testing positive repeatedly for cocaine use two years earlier. Right? Then you go, well, wait a second. Was he, 
Wait, is Hunter Biden psychic? That might explain how he's able to make so much money with absolutely no skills and offering nothing whatsoever insofar as a good or a service. If he can, you know, do the equivalent in business of predicting lottery numbers, if he could see the death of his brother coming two years away, he should have probably said something, right? He got pre-addicted. Maybe he just didn't, maybe he's, psych, maybe he's not in tune with his psychic abilities. And he just did this, you know, sitting there going, I don't know what's, there's a strange disturbance in the force. Something's different. Something's changing in my life. The future is foreboding. I think I'll smoke a lot of crack and order some prostitutes to come over here from California. You can't be too safe these days. And you get that itch, you got to kind of scratch it, I guess, right? Anyway, back to the story. Quote, this is the quote from the president and first lady just awful grandparents. Our son Hunter and Navy's mother, London, are working together to foster a relationship that is in the best interest of their daughter, preserving her privacy as much as possible going forward. Okay, that's the beginning of the statement. Now that's really interesting. because They're trying to foster a relationship that is in the best interest of their daughter. Hey, how about Hunter paying his child support? How about Hunter uh, acknowledging the kid. How about Hunter spending some time? Uh, that's, a, that's a touchy situation. But, you know, if, if Hunter, and I hope Hunter does, if Hunter has his act together, if he is, in fact, clean and sober, if all that speculation, of, if there's another coke fiend at the White House, then, uh, okay, if Hunter's got his act together, spending some time with his child would be a good thing to do. It would go a long way in helping that child later in life because nothing is more damaging than an absent parent, an absent parent who chooses to be absent. Not, you know, there are certain things beyond people's control, but this is an absent parent who would choose to be absent. He hasn't passed away. He's just going, I'm not interested. I, I did, my only interaction with this child is denying this child's existence and then denying this child my name, which he's still doing, that might be a good thing to do too, is stop denying the child his name. And then maybe the, uh, the parents could, I don't know, take down the, the, the stocking, the Christmas stocking on the fireplace for the dog that they've poorly trained and maybe abused that keeps biting Secret Service agents and replace it with the kid, the living, breathing child, the one who carries on at least Joe's bloodline. No, no, not speaking out of school. Jill's not Hunter's biological mother. Everybody knows that. But maybe you do that. They're trying to work out a relationship that is beneficial to the child. What well, being in the kid's life, unless he's still a crack addict, being in the kid's life would be a long way to go. And grandma and grandpa can help with that. Maybe, I don't know, actually acknowledging the kid. Maybe inviting the kid to the beach mansion, right? Hey, we'd like to meet you. She is getting to the age at four that sooner or later she's going to start forming memories that will actually stick. It'd be nice. The other kids get... I'm not saying you got to set up an offshore LLC to launder money from Lithuania or Romania or Ukraine or China or Russia for the kid, although that would be nice if you want her to be treated like every other Biden grandchild, seemingly. But, you know, getting to spend some time with Grandpa, being regaled with stories of corn pop and knife fights, and how Joe Biden was really 
the unsung hero of the civil rights movement, things like that, <laughs> it might be interesting. At least have a picture with the kid. Anyway, the statement was provided exclusively to People Magazine. People Magazine writes, Navy, one of the president's seven grandchildren, has recently been the subject of headlines as Republicans have criticized the president for previously touting his six grandchildren. Republicans are pouncing on Joe Biden being the world's crappiest grandfather. Is actually the only reason this came about has nothing to do with Republican criticism. Democrats don't give a damn about Republican criticism. I mean, for God's sakes, they're still insider trading. They're out there unambiguously making themselves rich and these scams uh, and scam deals and insider deals and they're just, they don't care. They're not stopping. They're not slowing down. You've got Jamie Raskin running around going, they're only talking about impeaching Joe Biden because they just want to, because we impeach them. They don't care. They don't have any evidence. They, they don't care. There's a pile of smoking guns next to the pile of steaming what Democrats spew and they don't give a damn. They don't give a damn. So it's not like there was pressure that Joe Biden said, oh, I'm really sick and I'm losing sleep over this Republican criticism because I would think that, you know, the the uncovering of all the corruption would be a bigger problem. No, it was Maureen Dowd writing a column in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago that forced their hand. And I get it. Look, I get why Hunter wouldn't want to acknowledge the kid. I do. But I would get why Hunter wouldn't want to acknowledge the kid in that his current wife, who I think he knew for a total of one week before he married her, looks at a calendar, looks at the birth date of Little Navy, and then looks at the birth date of their child and goes, doing the math there, not that much separation. You couple that with a whole bunch of pictures and videos of Hunter with prostitutes, and it probably just reminds Hunter's current wife of the less than storybook circumstances under which they first got together. And that's going to be an unpleasant thought, right? Even if they got together after he got clean and he managed to stay clean, even though he's relapsed a whole bunch of times uh, before this, if he's managed to stay clean, you probably don't want to have those reminders. You don't want somebody, if you got uh, an alcoholic, and you're, that you care about deeply, you don't want them to go and spend the weekend at the Kennedy compound, at least while Uncle Teddy was still alive. You probably want them to move on from the people that maybe weren't, they're not responsible for the actions that were destructive, but certainly were unhelpful, certainly were enabling. So in that sense, you can kind of understand it. It's, you know, there's many reasons why it could be the case could just be that Hunter's a jerk and doesn't give a damn about this little kid. Whatever the case is, that's the case. The end of the statement from the president is, this is not a political issue. It's a family matter. <laughs> Jill and I only want what's best for all our grandchildren, including Navy. Now, why do you, again, this is like what Democrats do, including Navy. Well, the point of the statement is to say that Navy is your grandchild, right? Why do you have to say including Navy? You, you wouldn't, if you really cared about the kid, you wouldn't be otherizing the kid the way you've, I don't know, been otherizing the kid, right? It's just like the Democrats. This 
this po these Republican policies are particularly damaging to the are damaging and horrible to the trans community, particularly trans women of color. Wait, wait, I, how how do they get more? They they don't know. They just they just throw that crap out there. They always have. And Democrats, whenever they talk about anything being damaging or anybody being hurt, they always find some way to segregate out because they love segregation. I mean, they created it to segregate out. One group of people, you know, these people, uh, these people are really per personally hit the hardest. Everybody's just slammed, but these people are hit the hardest. How does that work? How does pollution, air pollution, last I checked, everybody breathes air. Does air pollution hit minorities living in Democrat-controlled cities the hardest? Air, air Fires from Canada, racist? I don't know. I don't know any fires from Canada. But uh, if they're racist, I would like to know. And this is just how the Democrats operate. It's disgusting. It's amazing it took them this long, four years, to acknowledge this kid. They do so in a callous statement. And then they go on vacation for a week. Maybe the kid will come out. The kid should come out. They've acknowledged the kid. They should get to know the kid, at least meet the kid. We'll see if that happens or if this is a, all right, fine, Maureen Dowd. Here you go. We've acknowledged the kid. Now shut up and get back in line, which she probably dutifully will do. Since we're talking about uh, Little London, let's get in the Wayback Machine for a second. Go back to a crazy time. It was 2019. Joe Biden was running for president of the United States, just barely. Democrats had yet to all coalesce. The Democratic establishment had not yet lived completely in fear of Bernie Sanders and convinced everybody else viable to drop out and endorse Joe Biden after South Carolina, which is what happened. Secretary Mayor Pete Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, they all dropped out miraculously. At the, they still had money. They still had juice. They still had decent showings, but they recognized that they were going to split the Democrat establishment vote and probably let Bernie Sanders get a pathway or at least pretty damn close to the nomination. And they had to present, prevent that. And so deals were cut. I mean, why do you think Secretary Mayor Pete is Secretary Mayor Pete? Because of his overwhelming skill set that qualifies him for the job. Are you kidding me? The guy is the reason Velcro shoes were invented. He can't even tie his own shoes. But uh, everybody got something. Joe Biden was an empty vessel. He was an empty suit, really. He never really believed in anything other than his own political power. So doing the... Uh, pushing the agenda of a left-winger like Elizabeth Warren is no big deal. It's no big shake. It's like, whatever. I don't, I don't have any core principles. I just want to be president. So I'll do what you want to do. It's, it's a small consolation, but it's still a consolation, especially when the establishment tells you that they are not going to coalesce around you, Elizabeth Warren. You get out of the way. Now, it's weird because Elizabeth Warren is much closer to Bernie Sanders than Joe Biden, or at least what Joe Biden was at the time. But when you're selling out, you go to the highest bidder. You're selling out, you go to the only person who is bidding, and that just happened to be the Democratic establishment. Uh, plus, Elizabeth Warren has got more years left on her tires than does Bernie Sanders. She's got more chances in the future to run than Bernie does. This was about getting past the Bernie bubble getting past 
Bernie's existence. So you get everybody else out of the race, and then it's one-on-one. Bernie's probably going to lose that. Even a three-way race, Bernie probably would have won. They needed everybody out, and they got them all out, weirdly at a time while they were still viable and still had money. But in the midst of that, before that even started, this child was born. And to show you just how lapdoggy the media is, and there's a million different examples, the Hunter Biden laptop for one thing, Joe Biden's lack of accomplishment, Joe Biden's biggest accomplishment in the United States Senate after 75 plus years in the United States Senate was something he continually touted up until 2020, the crime bill. I wrote the crime bill. Well, the crime bill was now it had turned into an anchor around Joe Biden's neck. It was something that had imprisoned more people, particularly young black men, than any other piece of legislation in recent history. And Joe Biden actually couldn't tout his accomplishment in the crime bill, which is weird because it really was just a, a crime bill, mostly. But Democrats became in favor of crime and criminals. It's weird. It doesn't matter. Like, you, you, you snagged a bunch of criminals. Do you really care about the uh, ethnic breakdown of every? Does it have to be exactly proportional to the population writ large? And to Democrats, it absolutely does, or it's horrible and racist. It's a ridiculous concept, but it's how Democrats function, which is why we have major cities overrun with crime and we have no cash bail and violent people being released by the time they're soup cool. You can order a sandwich and it'll be delivered to your table by the time you're processed and released after punching some somebody on the street and you're back to do it again. That's progressive politics. So Joe's one accomplishment in 30 plus years in the United States Senate was a liability. You didn't have anything. And along comes this other kid. Now, Joe is embarrassed by this, having a complete lack of accomplishments and then having embarrassments on top of it. Got to be a horrible feeling, especially when you're looking back on an entire life of only self-aggrandizement. Reporters, quote in quotes, knew better than to ask about Little Navy because they're on the same team. When you're on the Giants and Barry Bonds is juicing, you don't you don't point that out to the reporters. You just kind of move on. That's how the world works. It's your team. Everybody you kind of justify it as everybody's doing it. That sort of thing. Well, Joe's the same way in the with the reporters. Well, along comes Peter Ducey, who didn't get a memo. Probably not invited to the club, not given the secret handshake. And he actually asked Joe about his new granddaughter. This was, listen to Joe, because one thing you got to remember, I worked in the United States Senate in 2006. Joe Biden is a, um, he's got a very short fuse. He's always been a nasty person. And the more somebody, you can tell when somebody is desperately trying to appear nice and likable and affable and just hey i'm just an average guy kind of thing and the more people tell you i'm honest i'd never lie to you i'm not trying to sell you anything i'm a this i'm a that i'm the if somebody tells you they're something they're not 
right? Because if you were these things, you wouldn't have to tell anybody these things. Smart people don't have to run around and tell everybody how smart they are. Funny people don't have to run around and tell everybody how funny they are, etc., etc., etc. The people who aren't, who are lying or selling you something, those are the people who won't shut up about how funny, smart, sexy, good-looking, honest, whatever they are. Meanwhile, watch their hands. Joe Biden tells everybody how wonderful he is. He's just, he's just middle-class Joe. He's lunch bucket Joe. Nicknames that no human being has ever called him except himself. And he was finally asked about this little kid. Listen to how, listen to the tone. You get a look into who Joe Biden at least was. Maybe he's not there mentally enough to be this anymore, but if he has moments of lucidity, this guy would come back. It turns nasty quick. I'm wondering if you have a comment on this report and court filing out of Arkansas that your son Hunter just made you a grandfather again. No, that's a private matter. I have no comment. But only you would ask that. You're a good man. You're a good man. Thank you, guys. This is all the time we have. Yeah, no, no, no. I have, now, if you just said I have no comment, that's a private matter. That's actually a decent answer. I have no comment. That's a decent matter. But his inner D-bag got puffed up. No, and only you would ask that. Only you would ask. Real classy. Like, oh, okay. Well, it is in the news. It is relevant. You are running for president of the United States. You have accused your opponent, the Republican president of the United States, of everything short of murder and accused his family of all kinds of corruption and your whole party and your networks out there have done everything humanly possible to try to destroy these people that so that maybe something that comes up in your own family when you're running around talking about how you give my word as a Biden, that you're just a wonderful, loving person, that it's absolutely relevant. You hold yourself out there just this side of the Pope as being holier than thou, to being as pure as the wind-driven snow, not the hunter snorted coke, but pure as the wind-driven snow, and something like this comes along, it is something you should be asked. And he was. And he was an ass about it. Because Joe Biden is a nasty, nasty person. So since we've established that Joe Biden is a, an angry little man, I thought we, and we went back to 2019 already, let us go back to 2019 again and talk a little bit about the, uh, the situation that Hunter finds himself in. A little bit of background. Of course, everybody knows that last week, a plea deal, a sweetheart plea deal, fell apart. Now, what's really funny is we had two weeks of the left-wing media saying, there's, it was actually more like a month, but it was really intense for about two weeks. There's no sweetheart deal here. There is no sweetheart deal. This is the same kind of deal everybody gets. Nobody goes to jail for tax evasion. Nobody goes to jail for, for major felonies related to guns, which is weird. There's a whole lot of people sitting in prison for both that are going, wait a second. Somewhere Wesley Snipes is going, nobody does what now? Where the hell do these people come? But whatever, whatever. They insisted it was not a sweetheart deal. So then the time comes, they had the whistleblowers from the IRS exposing that you know, Hunter owes millions of dollars in taxes that he got away with. The statute of limitations had expired. And it's just, it, congratulations, you, you win. It's been seven years. You, you got away with it. Even though they knew it and they watched it expire. They watched it expire. 
It's not like they, well, we just caught this too late. No, they knew it. They were blocked from doing anything about it, prevented from doing anything about it from the professional Democrats in the Justice Department. And so they got away with it. And the whole media is like, there's no, uh, no scandal here. This is a standard boilerplate deal. You know, everybody gets massive felonies reduced to misdemeanors. I once killed a guy, and I ultimately pled uh, no contest to jaywalking, you know? So, you know, it happens all the time. Everybody throws a gun away behind a, a dumpster across the street from a high school. Everybody lies on their federal background check forms, don't they? You do a line of coke, you roll up the paperwork, you, you hoover up a whole bunch of blow, and then you... You sign verifying that you do not do drugs in any way, shape, or form. That's just common practice. It's, <laughs> it's almost not even worth talking about, really. Uh, yeah, it was just, they told us it was a sweetheart deal. And then it goes before the judge. And the judge looks at it and looks at some of it for the first time. See, they had the plea agreement there, but then they had the uh, separate thing with the details in it. The judge finally got the, the thing with the details in it. Paragraph 15 basically says that it, it, it's the paragraph 15 that grants Hunter Biden absolute immunity. Absolute immunity on just about every crime he's ever committed up until that point, whether the statute of limitations had run or not. See, Hunter had committed a lot of things that statutes of limitations had run out on and other things where it either hadn't run out yet or some things I imagine where it doesn't run out, where there is no statute of limitations. I don't know what the statute of limitations is on human trafficking or things like that, but uh, I can't imagine it's six months. can't imagine it's seven years like taxes. So he was still under concern. I know that the uh, Foreign Agent Registration Act, not failing to register as a foreign agent, that one uh, doesn't run out. At least it doesn't run out for a while. They tried to put Paul Manafort in prison for the rest of his life for that. So um, Hunter was very concerned about this. Now, he shouldn't have been. He's a Democrat, and you know, Democrats get away with everything. It was, um, I think it was one of the Emanuel brothers, one of the lobbying Emanuel brothers, or uh, Podesta, it was Podesta, who was tried, actually tried in D.C., had him dead to rights pretty much on the... Uh, Foreign Registration Act, and the D.C. jury said, eh, but he's a Democrat, and they acquitted him. Paul Manafort, they threw the book at. Same thing. Actually, Podesta was a little bit, in my opinion, more obvious, more blatant. But what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. Democrats get away with it. So he, Hunter need not worry, except for the fact that he probably, well, he would understand more than just about anybody, that he would if he would have something to worry about. So his lawyers cut a deal. It's really easy to cut a deal like this when your lawyers representing you are negotiating with Justice Department lawyers representing your father. What kind? Who's really going to be the hard ass in that situation? Nobody? Again, you watch Barry Bonds shooting juice and having to up his hat size by four or five sizes and hit home runs like crazy. And you just go, eh, well, he's really, really hitting the ball well. You let it slide. But the deal was, 
and they kept this hidden from the judge until the day of the hearing in paragraph 15, that any other crimes that Hunter may have committed up until that point, literally any other crimes, if he is found to have uh, been committing those crimes, the judge would have to decide whether or not to charge him. The judge had the power. The deal empowered the judge to charge Hunter Biden. You may sit there, you might not be a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer, but you sit there and you go, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. It's not right because judges don't get to charge people with crimes. They can hold people in contempt, but that's not charging people with crimes. That's not arresting people. That's not putting people on trial. The, it's the same sort of mentality when you hear people go, Congress should arrest that person. That, I get it. You're very frustrated. You watch these idiots testify and they, they don't answer questions or they obviously lie. Looking at you, Jim Clapper. They commit perjury and you go, Congress should arrest these people. Congress doesn't have the power to arrest the people. They're not the judicial branch. They can recommend that people face charges, that people be charged, that people can be held in contempt, whatever, to the Justice Department. But if it's a Democrat Justice Department, you will count on them not enforcing the law. That's the way our system works. It's certainly flawed. It's got its problems, but there are few systems. There's no systems better. Could there be better reforms? Yes, but none of them involve giving Congress the power to charge people. Then it would give the uh, executive branch power to dictate to the legislative branch. Or this morning there was outrage, or this weekend there was outrage over Sam Alito saying that there's nothing in the Constitution that gives Congress the authority to regulate the Supreme Court. And leftists are going, this is an outrage. He needs to be impeached. How dare he say that? Well, where in the Constitution is he wrong? Which part of separate but equal or co-equal branches of government do you not understand? They're co-equal. Co-equal does not mean, well, some, I mean, I guess if you're into George Orwell, some branches of government are more co-equal than others. But it certainly does not give power to one to over to regulate the other. They can control the number of members, but that's really about it. They could pass constitutional term limits if they were able to pass a constitutional amendment, but I don't, I don't know. They might be able to find a way to, to, to do term limits without that. It'd be interesting to see, but they simply cannot impose rules on them. They can't even impose rules on themselves insider trading still going strong they're still trading stocks there are still members of congress who are getting filthy rich as they all whine and complain about how it's wrong it's wrong it's wrong stop me before i kill again so the idea that a judge could decide to charge somebody with crime is wildly unconstitutional there's a reason both sets of lawyers hid this part of the deal from the judge in this case. Well, the judge finally saw it and said, what the hell is this? I can't do this. So are you saying that can he still be charged under? Yes, the the prosecutor said, because that was the answer they had to give. There would be no way whatsoever to justify saying, you know, Hunter Biden has absolute immunity for everything, 
even though that was the gist of the deal. That's what they wanted, because any charges brought by this judge or even attempted to be brought by this judge would be thrown out on its ass because it's wildly unconstitutional. Judges don't have that kind of authority. So he said, OK, yeah, no, you can uh, we could still charge him for the federal agent thing. And immediately Hunter's lawyers got into a tizzy and Hunter said, well, then I do, then I plead not guilty. I withdraw the guilty plea. I'm out of it. I did no way, no how. Terrified. Terrified of what could happen. That's the very definition of a sweetheart deal. It fell apart, not because the judge refused it, but because the judge was educated by it. The judge asked the defense attorneys, do you have any precedent that this something like this has ever been done before? And their answer was not, oh, shucks, I'm going to have to look into that. Their answer was no. Their answer was no. That's the very definition of a sweetheart deal, even no matter how many times Rachel Maddow swore up and down that everybody gets this kind of deal, that nobody had gotten this kind of deal ever is a pretty good indicator that the MSNBC crowd was blowing smoke up your rear end to the point that you were probably exhaling Marlboro smoke. Just saying. So I want to play you with all that in mind. I want to play you this clip of Joe Biden talking about his son with Axios back in 2019. Because again, we were assured by people with very, very sculpted bull haircuts on MSNBC, which is pretty much their entire primetime lineup, that there's nothing to see here. There's no sweetheart deal. There's nothing. And the idea that they're just going, had Claire McCaskill whining, very, very upset, that Joe Biden could be impeached over loving his son, as if they were going to draft up an article of impeachment. You know, Joe Biden loves his son so much. He needs to be punished. <laughs> No, showering with the daughter, according to the... Eh, never mind. But listen to uh, Joe in an interview with Axios back in 2019. He not only doesn't answer the question, he angrily responds, sending out a subtle message to other reporters, because uh, uh, Alan, I keep, John Allen, whatever his name is, Alan, is, uh, his last name is Alan, for an Axios... He uh, he gets the word, but he doesn't want to. You don't want to ask any follow up questions. You've asked the question, and that's it. Let it go, and it puts other people on notice. Hey, don't ask about this. It's not Joe. It'll get Joe mad. Don't do it again. Don't point out the roids to needle to Barry or the pills or whatever to Barry. He's going to get very upset. That's what the subtlety of this response is. So you think that everything that happened was kosher? You know there's not one single bit of evidence, not one little tiny bit, to suggest anything done was wrong. You know that. But you keep asking me these questions. It's okay. He, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're doing what you have to do. But I'm not worried about it. Look, the American public knows me. The American public knows me. No, they don't. And they never really liked you, and they still don't. But the idea, there's never, there's not one bit of evidence. Well, that's not, that's not an answer to the question. Nobody's ever looked for it. It's amazing what the left-wing media can't find when they refuse to look for it, right? I, 
I have not found Jimmy Hoffa's body. I've not spent a second looking for it or even investigating where it could be, but I could sit there and say, I've never found Jimmy Hoffa's body. Yeah, that's what happens when you don't look for something. But he puts the tone in. Everybody knows. Look, don't you ask. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong here. There's no evidence. Yeah. Well, actually, there is kind of a lot of evidence to suggest you're rich. Here's a simple follow-up question that will never be asked. How did you get so rich, Joe? How did you get so rich? Where did all this money come? Why does your family, including your grandchildren, many of them, have LLCs that suddenly get weird wire transfers for a lot of money from people overseas, people particularly unfriendly to the United States of America. Why is that? Seems a little bit curious. I have two young children. Should I set up LLCs and offshore bank accounts for them? Maybe a series of five or six of them so that money can trickle through it so that maybe just one day some rich guy in Romania will decide to go, eh, let's play LLC roulette and I'll send $50,000 to this random thing. Some Chinese communist will go, hey, wait a second. Why don't we send some money to some random LLCs? That's boring. It's a Tuesday. What are you going to do? Somebody should ask about that. The president of the United States should be forced to answer something about that, or at least pressured about that. Instead, his pasty, white, shriveled body is sitting on the beach at a multi-million dollar mansion on the ocean, living the dream, getting away with it still. What I find very interesting about this Hunter Biden sweetheart deal from Joe, Joe's perspective, is what is his defense? Honestly, what is his defense? His defense is, I'm a really bad father. If you think that is Joe's defense for everything, is I'm a, just a really god-awful father. How do I mean that and what do I... Well... Is there anybody in your family who you love who tells you they don't want to know anything about your life? Because that's essentially what Joe told Hunter. You can see why maybe Hunter felt a little um, less than comfortable about his relationship with his father, why he might have, I don't know, turned to drugs. When Joe... Denial is I never, never talk to anybody in my family about their overseas, about anything having to do with their business. At a certain point, if you take him at his word, that just means he's a real jerk who has no interest in anything related to his own family whatsoever, does it not? It sure does. To, it, that's the way it reads to me. But that's a hell of a defense. I don't, I don't care enough about my child to know how he's doing. Because one of the weird things about Hunter, and I don't, I don't know, I know less about uh, Frank Biden or the other brother, the degenerate brother. There's a lot of degenerates in this family. Hunter went from not just job to job to job, but from industry to industry to industry, right? Yeah, a little weird. It, it, it's a sign, uh, as somebody who's done it, it's a sign of, of kind of, a, I don't know, aimlessness. I admit I have a bit of aimlessness and I've had bouts of aimlessness in my life where I was, it's, you know, you don't have 77 jobs in your life and go, yeah, no, I've been on this career path my whole life. I worked in health policy, once at 
in my career, career professional, I worked in health policy, then I was a press secretary, then I was a uh, federal affairs manager and different issues that weren't health policy. Then I was a, uh, a, a managing editor at the first hire at the Daily Caller. Then I became a writer, then I became a radio host, then I became a podcast, all this stuff. And like one doesn't necessarily have to do with the other and none of them have to do with the waiting tables or the, the merry maid job or whatever that I had. It's just that's the way my life went. It was I should have probably had a plan. If I'd have formulated a plan, it might have gone differently. Who knows? But then there's the old joke. You want to make God laugh, make a plan. But Hunter went from industry to industry to industry where there was really no connection. His first job out of college, I believe, it was in the... Uh, Washington Examiner last week, written up by Tim Carney, that his first job out of law school was with MBNA, the credit card giant. All the credit card companies, or most of the credit card companies, are based in Delaware. That's why Joe Biden led the fight to make it more difficult for people to purge credit card debt in bankruptcy proceedings, because Joe cares so deeply about the middle class. He wants to forgive student loan debt, but he screwed everybody over who had actually had to declare bankruptcy from getting rid of their credit card debt. Well, <laughs> um, his first job was at uh, MBNA. Two years later, he was senior vice president at MBNA. What are his, why? What did he do? Then he went on the board of Amtrak. But wait a second, a credit card company? Amtrak, what does it have to do? One have to do with the other? It doesn't have anything to do with anything. And he's getting board seats all over the place. He's getting, he was employed with uh, one of the most prestigious law firms in the country, as he put it. I'd really like to know if he had any clients, because there's a difference. There's a whole industry of people in Washington, D.C., having worked there, having seen it, that dine out on either their last name or their last position held. And every former member of Congress does this. Or their family, or their kids do. Like, it's nice to have this name on the letterhead. If you spent five minutes in the Reagan administration, it doesn't matter what you did, you'll get some sort of fellowship somewhere in a nonprofit going, oh, we're an official in the Reagan administration. Yeah, they spent 20 minutes in the mailroom trying to steam uncanceled stamps off of envelopes for their own personal use. But they were definitely the Reagan fellow in this, that, or the other thing. Not to say there aren't some people who've done some things that absolutely are great and deserve recognition forever. Ed Meese was attorney general. I know Ed Meese. I worked with him at the Heritage Foundation, one of the nicest people in the world, who didn't have to be. He really is genuinely a good man. And yet the people who spent five minutes in the mailroom are the people who are just wildly awful people. Arrogant. Oh, my time in the Reagan administration. They got three stories from when they were in the Reagan administration. And that's it. And they, they just dine out on it. Well, Hunter Biden appears to have dined out on who his dad was. Had jobs thrown at him. He got on the board of Amtrak, not because he had a really good mini train set when he was a kid, but because his dad was largely responsible for keeping Amtrak alive by throwing hundreds of millions of dollars in our money towards Amtrak to subsidize it over the course of his time. That's how it works. So, when you sit there and you listen to this next clip of Joe Biden talking about how he never talked to his family about their jobs, you have 
two choices. He's either lying or he's a jerk who took zero interest, no interest whatsoever in anything having to do with his family. I don't know which to believe. Both are plausible. But I'll tell you why neither really matters. After This is, from again, from 2019. When uh, Joe gets kind of angry and Joe... This is the most comprehensive answer I could find in the many answers. They're all sort of standard boilerplate. Never talked to nobody about nothing. But he goes a little bit further to explain why he allegedly plugged his fingers in his ears and went la, 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 and went running out of the room anytime what anybody he presumably cares about asked a question or talked about their, their lives. The president's accusation against you stems from your son, Hunter Biden, working on the board of an energy company in Ukraine right. while you were vice president. Do you agree that that could at least create the appearance of a conflict? Look, what I agree is with that there's not a single solitary thing anyone said that was done wrong. I don't discuss business with my son. I didn't know that was the case when in fact I found out after the fact. And because I don't discuss things with my son or my family, because I don't want to have any knowledge of any, I, I don't want to be accused of, well, you talk with your son or you talk with your whomever. And so the fact is, though, everybody's looked at that. He did nothing wrong. Zero. Period. <laughs> it's a kind of incoherent answer, but he says, I, I didn't want to, I didn't, nobody in my family, I talked to nobody about nothing in their business because I didn't want to be accused of this. That It doesn't matter whether you know about it. If your son tells you, look, I'm sitting on the board of Burisma, they really want this prosecutor fired. And he goes, no, 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 you just told me that you're sitting on the board of Burisma. Don't tell me you're sitting on the board of Burisma. So then Hunter knows, don't, first of all, you'd be wildly stupid which again, kind of runs in the family, but you'd be wildly stupid to say what I'm about to tell you is massively unethical. No, you just ignore that and you say, hey, uh, so you're in charge of Ukraine policy, Dad. Did you know that this prosecutor over there is wildly corrupt? And, uh, there are other, and you have, of course, other people involved in the administration that you've gotten to doing you favors that also back up in the briefing books saying this guy should be fired. And then you get your dad on board. That's how you do it. Your dad doesn't sit there. Now, your dad, theoretically, should be smart enough to go, that's a weird conversation to have with my drug-addled son. Huh. wonder why that woman's screaming from the trunk of his car, and now he's talking. She sounds like she's from Ukraine, and now uh, he's talking to me about Ukraine. That's just weird. Or it's the world's biggest coincidence. There's one person in all the corrupt country of Ukraine that the Biden administration, the Obama Biden administration, wants fired. Joe's the guy to do it, and it just so happens to personally, financially, benefit and be the only reason why really Hunter was making almost a million dollars a year. It's a hell of a coincidence. It's the equivalent of flipping a coin 10 times and each time it comes up landing on its side if you really think about it but joe says no i didn't want to know about any conflicts of interest well you actually should to avoid conflicts of interest you should know what those conflicts are burying your head in the sand his defense is i was a jerk i never bothered to talk to my family i don't really care i never even asked any of my grandchildren how they're doing 
I just, I don't want the conflict of interest. It's a lie. But you need to know to avoid the conflict of interest. It's ridiculous and beyond its strange credulity to sit there and go, wait, my son is on the board of a company. I had no idea about it as I was working to get the prosecutor fired who was investigating the company. We know that's a lie. We have Obama administration officials and records who said that they all knew it was a massive conflict of interest, that they had talked to Joe Biden about it, that they had briefed Biden's staff on how this could at least give the appearance of impropriety. And why in the hell is this guy's son on the board of a Ukrainian energy company when he knows nothing about energy? He knows nothing about Ukraine. But other than that, he's wildly qualified for this job. And we're supposed to believe Joe because he said, I never asked my son about anything. You never asked your son about anything having to do with his business? You've said publicly, rather proudly, that Hunter is the smartest person you know, the smartest person you know. Well, it would be a dereliction of duty not to at some point seek the counsel of the smartest person you know. Theoretically, he would know some smart people. Now, smart to Joe is is different. But at some point, you would think that he would, I don't know, seek the counsel of the smartest person he knows. But no, he doesn't. Now, if that's the case, if he deliberately, always, consistently refused to have any discussions with his family at all about anything related to their business and ran screaming from the room for some noise-canceling headphones or earplugs or whatever whenever they showed up and they made it abundantly clear, then that begs another question. Why did his family members keep raking in a ton of money from people seeking influence with Joe? If there was no oil at the bottom of this well, sooner or later, somebody would stop digging. If Joe Biden's brothers or son developed a reputation for taking government or taking consulting contracts, being unregistered foreign agents, but taking consulting contracts and overpromising and underdelivering, sooner or later, people would stop hiring them. They'll take a risk, they'll take a flyer, they'll throw some money at it, but after a number of years where there is no return on that investment, people will realize maybe this guy's just full of it. Maybe these people are lying. That they were continually hired for huge sums of money for essentially no-show jobs at least makes me think that there must have been some kind of return on that investment. Doesn't it make you think that way. Now, the only way to really know this for sure would be to open up the books and investigate things. But the books are sealed. They're weirdly sealed. We don't have the banking records of the Biden family, the Biden industry. Nobody's even bothered to ask what it is, what good or service do members of the Biden family provide to anybody who has sent them just enormous sums of money from overseas. What did any of the Biden grandchildren do 
to earn this money? What did the widow of Bo do to earn this money? And sleeping with Hunter doesn't count. Well, that is undoubtedly a burden. It doesn't count as a good or service provided to a foreign entity for huge sums of money. Nobody's asked that question. Nobody wants to ask that question. The old lawyers added, you don't ask questions you don't know the answers to. Well, in politics, it's especially in political media, you don't ask questions you don't want the answers to. There is no good answer. If Democrats had concocted a good answer to that question, they would have already been sitting down with Scott Pelley or Nicole Wallace or some other left-wing hack out there to have them ask it. That they haven't tells you pretty much everything you need to know. I'm going to, because it's not just, there's a, occasionally somebody comes, it's watching RFK Jr. try to run for president. He should really be running as a third party. I don't get this love affair that people have with RFK Jr. on the right. I watched the, I didn't study it. I didn't pay close attention. It was on while I was doing other things. The town hall that Sean Hannity did with Robert Kennedy Jr. last week. And I say town hall with dripping with sarcasm because there was zero questions from the audience. There was an audience. It was just a, it was an interview conducted in front of other people. It's not a town hall. Not a single member of the audience got to ask a question, which in my mind, a town hall is this is a chance for average citizens to ask questions of people running for office. That wasn't the case. It was mostly Sean bringing up things that RFK and him mostly agree on and ignoring most of the rest of the things. And he does. I get it. You want to damage Joe Biden by making RFK seem like a viable alternative and blah, blah, and a rational person and exposes how crazy Joe is. I get all of that, but I don't know. At some point, don't you run? Because now you get these people who are like, you know, it would be great. A, a RFK Trump or a Trump RFK Jr. ticket. I'm like, no. No, do you, do you not understand that he's an environmental wacko? He's a nut job. He, he's crazy on just about everything. You agree with him on a couple... It's my, my problem with people like Fox gets to decide who the conservatives are now, and it's damaging. Like, oh, Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, she's what people love Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard is a left winger. On some things, she's good. That's great. But you don't build her up as like she's this wonderful, wonderful person. And she, no, she is a committed left winger. Okay? Committed left winger. So you watch this thing and you're like, okay, RFK is not exactly, I don't know. The, the stuff they just, not, not that any Democrats are going to be watching Fox News for their opinions on who to vote for and rfk is persona non grata when it comes to cnn and msnbc because the dnc is trying to pretend he doesn't exist and it's really funny watching people like david axelrod who was barack obama's campaign manager in 2008 tweet out things like rfk is a lunatic you gotta watch out for people like and you go back to the headlines 
from the left-wing press back in 2009 where they were talking about when the team Obama was floating ideas like appointing RFK to various cabinet positions. Like, huh, this, that's kind of weird. The only thing that RFK's really changed on in that time is the COVID vaccine. He didn't really change on it because COVID didn't exist at the time. He was always anti-vax. He was always one of those people who thought that uh, whatever the mercury-based preservative in vaccines causes autism. He's uh, of that ilk, and he's thought that for a very long time, and he's been out there on it talking about, and there are risks inherent in vaccines. I think there are risks inherent in not having vaccines in certain vaccines anyway, especially the proven ones. And there's risks in having an aspirin. There's risks in having everything. You've got to weigh the risks with the reward. It's up to you. But RFK has made some really sort of crazy blanket statements. And when it comes to the environment, he is as big a lefty whack job as AOC is. Building him up doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make him less crazy. And it doesn't even make him particularly useful, except that now if he does decide to run third party, there will be some people on the right who go, you know what, I'm going to vote for RFK. He agrees with me on the COVID vaccine. Well, okay, you just cost votes. I don't understand praising him. But every once in a while, somebody on the left does open their eyes just a little bit wider. And they should be highlighted. It doesn't really matter the reason for it. Every time, and this week we just had a whole bunch of leftists attacking Ron DeSantis about the new school curriculum down in Florida. Oh, about slavery. They're saying that slavery was a good thing. You got Kamala Harris down there. Slavery, they said slavery was a good thing. Nothing could be further from the truth. The curriculum was written by two black intellectual history professors, but that doesn't matter. It's just teaching that slavery was wonderful. And sadly, some Republicans decided to parrot the vice president without thinking about it. It's one line in 200 pages, one line in 200 pages that is actually in a curriculum for the AP, the Advanced Placement African-American History course that Kamala Harris herself has praised. It's the same line in there. She just praised it a year earlier, but it doesn't matter. And you get Byron Donald. There's nothing positive about slavery. Nobody's saying there's anything positive about slavery. Uh... John James or whatever the hell his name is out of Michigan. There's nothing positive about it. How dare you? Tim Scott, I get Tim Scott is running for president. He wants to differentiate himself. But, you know, there's a simple answer. It's like, no, I, I, I wouldn't have used that line. But overall, the curriculum is good. And the vice president is trying to stir up division. And I'm not going to play that game. Donald's is a Trump campaign surrogate. James is a Trump campaign surrogate. If you have the truth on your side, you don't have to lie. You don't have to feign pearl clutch going, oh, can you believe this is an outrage? He's he's now trying to teach. There's no positive things about slavery. Nobody's saying there was anything positive about slavery. You want to paint as accurate a picture about slavery? Or do you want to just say all slavery was was people getting the, the holy hell beat out of them? They were being murdered willy-nilly. That That's not the truth. You want an accurate picture of slavery? Or do you want a political agenda? Sadly, so many people want a political agenda. Actually, the press wants a political agenda. Actually, I want to play this clip from Ron DeSantis. Because the reporters are going crazy on it. It's Republican infighting. And they love it. 
the media really wants Donald Trump to be the nominee. They really do because they believe that he has a ceiling of popularity. It's a, in the Republican primary, he has a ceiling of popularity. A very hard, very, they're very much on his team, dedicated to the point that they swear up and down they're not going to vote for anybody else. It's suicide. Anybody who's blindly loyal to any politician is suicidal. And you could say, well, Donald Trump isn't really a politician. Donald Trump is a politician. He's president. He was president of the United States. That's the ultimate politician. Doesn't matter. The more people, Joe Biden, I'm not a politician. You wouldn't believe that from him. Why would you believe that from anybody? You should never be blindly loyal to a politician because the politician will always do what's in the best interest of that politician. You should force them to be loyal to you, not the other way around. Make them earn your vote. Every single time you cast it, get them on record, put them on pressure. You don't go, this guy's being oppressed, so I'm going to vote for it. That's insane. I want to win. I don't want to prove a point. All the high road gives you is a really nice view of your defeat. But Ron DeSantis was uh, being asked by the left-wing press, and he turns this around beautifully. Because the reporter, you know, everybody asking these questions, they haven't read the curriculum. They've read the stories of the curriculum. They've seen the social media clips from Kamala Harris on the curriculum. They haven't bothered to read the curriculum at all. And DeSantis proves that with this moron pretty, pretty masterfully. Were there beneficial aspects to slavery? That's not what the curriculum says. What, what do you think? What the curric- no, there's, no, it's not. And the curriculum is very clear. You have, I think it's like 200 plus pages of all kinds of stuff that you can't read that. Have you read it? So what's your opinion? Have you read it? What's you your, I'm you asking your opinion. But, but you haven't read it, so I'm just, just making that clear. That makes it very clear about the injustices of slavery in vivid detail. So anyone that actually read that and then listens to Kamala would know that she's lying. Have you ever heard anybody, any reporter aside, any reporter not named Peter Ducey in a scrum or at a, they don't do them very often, but with Joe Biden, insist that, what about this? Hey, your son's laptop contains a whole lot of uh, videos of him with, Eastern European sounding women who don't seem super happy to be there, who maybe seem a little spaced out from drugs. Is your son involved in human trafficking? Is your son enabled human trafficking? You demand answers from that. You absolutely should demand answers from that. You don't get that. They don't get the question. They don't get the simple question. How'd you get so rich? How did you get so rich? Your whole career, your middle class Joe, how'd you manage to buy a DuPont estate? On only your, I mean, your wife is a dumb person. Maybe they don't want to phrase it that way. Your wife is a pretty dumb person. And she's uh, got a community, she teaches at a community college. So she ain't raking in the money. We know what your salary was as a United States senator. So how is it that you managed to get so rich, Joe? 
How do, can we see your banking records? Or a nonstop drumbeat. Oh, remember, what, four years of where are Donald Trump's taxes? Where are Donald Trump's taxes? People at the IRS slipping pages of them out the back door to, to Rachel Maddow so she can do special. We've got the signature page of Donald Trump's tax. We need to get to the bottom of Donald Trump taxes. Democrats suing left and right. Subpoenas being issued. We need The world needs to know. Years later, they eventually get it and there's nothing there. You don't even hear about it anymore. But we need Donald Trump's taxes. We've got Joe Biden's Senate records locked at the University of Delaware. And there isn't a single left-wing media outlet that has filed any lawsuits whatsoever to try and get access to it. The Daily Callers had to lead the charge on that. Why? Because they don't care. They don't care. They're all on the same team. It's pathetic, but it's true. So back to what I was talking about, about people eventually coming around. Oliver Stone, you don't get much crazier than Oliver Stone. You don't get much more left-wing than Oliver Stone. He's still probably mourning the loss of the evil Hugo Chavez. But he is displeased with Joe Biden when it comes to Ukraine and the way that Joe is just essentially shoveling money. See, Oliver Stone has experienced war. Oliver Stone didn't get six or seven deferments the way that Joe Biden did. Oliver Stone went to Vietnam, and he's watching what Joe is doing and thinking, this is... um, he really does seem to want to go to war. He really does seem to, this Joe does want, or he's not thinking, which is another possibility that Oliver Stone puts out there. This is a clip from the uh, Russell Brand podcast, the comedian who does a pretty interesting, I've seen clips of it. You sit there and you go, billions of people listen to Joe Rogan, and I have no reason to question that billions of people listen to Joe Rogan. I've only ever seen clips of Joe Rogan because I don't have there's nobody I'm interested in listening to for like two and a half hours straight while somebody gets high. Like it's it's just not that interesting. But, you know, there's good five minute clips of that thing and there's really good stuff. Maybe the rest is really good, but I've lived comfortably without knowing that and I'll continue to live comfortably. Russell Brand is a very funny guy. He's a very smart man. Every time I've ever seen him. He, he knows his stuff. He's wrong on a lot of things, but he at least doesn't argue with the I feel and then you're a poopy head every time somebody disagrees with him. He actually engages with people uh, with whom he disagrees on every issue. And that is a rare quality, particularly on the left. So that is worthy of admiration. And he had uh, Oliver Stone on. I suspect Oliver Stone, sadly, will be if he can get them, we'll be making the rounds in the coming days, or this clip certainly will. Uh, oh, Oliver Stone says this. Oliver Stone says, okay, great. Oliver Stone is not a conservative. I just want to keep that in mind. Don't fall for the RFK, Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, even the they did that for a while with Dennis Kucinich, because Dennis Kucinich agreed on a couple of things. Uh, Dennis Kucinich is this. Yeah, if you only talk about what you agree with somebody about, then you've definitely... I don't know, misinformed your audience to begin with. But that being said, listen to what Oliver Stone said, because Oliver Stone is not alone. He's not an outlier. He represents the fringe of the left, and the fringe of the left is not happy. Even though MSNBC and CNN will go after anybody, and they'll probably attack Oliver Stone over this, anybody who says, maybe we should look into, I don't know, our blind support for Ukraine. Maybe that's not such a good thing. They'll go after him like rabid spider monkeys 
but he doesn't care. Oliver Stone has some questions, and he kind of talks about how Joe Biden is a little bit senile and might not be in charge of his own administration as well. Potential World War Three. This is the same situation as World War One in a sense. The stupidity of it because of the alliances and the fears and the built-up phobias. We, if we don't stop this, what Biden is doing, this guy is... I, vo- I voted for him. I made a mistake. I'm thinking that he was an old man now that he would calm down, he'd be more mellow and so forth. I didn't see that at all. I see a man who maybe is not in charge of his own administration, who knows, but he's he's going to fall down somewhere. But it seems that he's dragging us stupidly into a confrontation with a a power that's not going to give. Asking questions about Ukraine. Maybe it'll become fashionable, but it's something that more and more people have to do because there are a lot of questions to be asked about Ukraine. We're told, and we've been told for a very long time, that Russia is collapsing. Oh, my goodness. The Russian army is collapsing. It doesn't seem to me to be. doesn't seem to me to be at all. At a certain point, collapsing becomes collapse, doesn't it? Things are going, Ukraine is pushing Russia. At a certain point, shouldn't they be pushed back? Shouldn't it? Or are we just at a stalemate? Are we ever going to get to the point where we look at this situation and say, hey, you know what? Why don't we try and broker peace? Why don't we try to broker some peace here? Why don't we try to stop this thing? The one thing that it served, the one good purpose that it served is it exposed Russia as being even more corrupt than we thought it was. It exposed the intelligence community as being able to operate domestically a hell of a lot more efficiently than they can operate overseas, which is terrifying, but true. They could mess with a presidential administration pretty easily, but they can't give an accurate assessment of the Russian military unless they see it in action because reasons we don't know. That would be something that this administration should try to get to the bottom of. Why did we not know that Russia was as much a paper tiger? Why Is it because everybody in Russia was so corrupt? The fish rots from the top, from the head down. Putin was so corrupt that the generals were like, well, it's a free-for-all. I can rip off too. On down to the enlisted officers, the, uh, the commissioned officers, they start stealing. And as long as they get enough tanks to run to be able to conduct a parade, that they get enough people to be able to goose mark, goose step in uh, in lockstep through Red Square. It's okay. They don't mind the fact that they don't have enough ammunition, that they don't have enough equipment to make sure to do repairs or anything like that. Is that the case? Shouldn't our intelligence community have known that? Wouldn't this be a good time to try and set up some kind of peace, some kind of ceasefire? Or do we have too many people making too much money off of it and a president who is just so happy to be in the office that he is not about to stand up to the people who put him there in any way, shape, or form, no matter how many Brinks trucks they drive from our treasury to their personal bank accounts? I don't know the answer. I'm just asking questions. seems like people in positions of power and in the press, should be asking those questions as well. It shouldn't fall to an Oscar-winning director. That's not the world we live in anymore. The world we live in is the one where this show is over, ladies and gentlemen. But we'll be back tomorrow with a special edition, I believe, of the show. It is an hour of radio. It's like 45 minutes of, of radio that I was told was very funny, that I did with Kurt Schlichter 
on Saturday. So I got my hands on it, and I'll let you decide whether or not it sucks. Because, you know, it was fun to do in any event. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. Have an awesome Monday, and uh, see you later, July. I'll talk to you guys in August. <laughs>